you're listening to the Way Community Church Lakeland podcast, where our mission is to reach people with the life-giving message of Jesus Christ, that they might become fully devoted followers of Christ. We hope this message from our weekend service encourages you in your walk with the Lord. And now, here's the message. Well, good morning, everybody. Um, you, need, you need to check your pulse, man, because the Lord is in this place today. And if you can't feel him, tell your neighbor to pray for you, because he's here. He's here. So uh, first thing I want to do is just say thank you to our amazing leaders in this house. Um, we have some wonderful leadership. If you don't know that, you're in a good house, and I just want to say that. Uh, and I'm grateful for the opportunity to share with you this morning. Um, and I didn't mean to get emotional, man, but just all this stuff about the building and everything, it's just, it's, uh, it's the Lord, you know, and it's beautiful. And you're in a beautiful house, and I just want to encourage you in that, you know. There are places that don't have what we have here, you know, and I want to say that. You know, you are loved. God loves you, and he has you covered in a very good way in this house. Amen? Amen. All right, well, let's, uh, let's go ahead and take a moment and pray, um, and let's get into it, all right? So, Jesus, we just thank you for your word. We thank you that your word is truth, that your word is life. Uh, Lord, we do pray. We pray for Pastor Tim and Pastor Teresa as they are uh, traveling. Lord, we just thank you for their safety, for their family, and um, just a great time of rejuvenation for them, good family time for them as well, Lord. Um, we, we, bless, uh, we bless Pastor Brady, Pastor Lacey, Lord, and just thank you for their leadership in this house. And Lord, we just thank you for this word. I ask you to just simply use me to speak what your word would say, Lord, and uh, help me to get out of the way and open our hearts to receive it. In Jesus' name, amen. One of, my, one of my favorite quotes, I tell it to my, I'm a music teacher, so I tell it to my students quite often, um, and it's by Winston Churchill. It's like the shortest keynote spe- speech he ever gave, and he was quoted as saying, never, never, never give up, and then he left, and that was it. Um, so, but there's a lot of truth in that, right? So we're going to start in uh, Mark chapter 4, verses 18 and 19. If you would stand for the uh, reading of God's word. Mark 4, 18 and 19, and it says, And others are the ones on whom seed was sown among the thorns. These are the ones who have heard the word, but the worries of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. You may be seated. Thank you for your word, Lord. So in this, this passage, if, uh, you know, for all my, my Bible scholars out there, you do realize that this is the parable of the soils. It's like the different types of soil that, uh, that seed was sown into. Um, and so Jesus breaks in, and he's starting to explain this to his disciples, and he's, he's teaching them about what each particular type of soil that the seed was sown into, what, what that means. And so this one, I, I, I titled this message Thorns because the, this particular passage has really been resonating with me in prayer recently, um, these, these thorns that he identified. So, um, so in this passage, as he's sharing, he, he does identify, first off, the soil is us. We, we are the soil, all right? The seed is the word of God being sown into our lives, all right? Um, and then on, and our specific focus in verses 18 and 19 are these, these thorns that create unfruitfulness. And so through the course of this parable, Jesus is talking to people. I want you first to get this. He's talking to people who receive the word regularly, 
okay, or who have received the word in some way, shape, or form. And he begins to talk about the different types of ways that it can either produce fruit or not produce fruit, all right? Um, so the three areas in our verse today that he begins to identify first is the wor- the first one is the worries of this world. Um, I find it very interesting that he, he sort of framed it as thorns because if you, if you think about, you know, this, this, this thorny soil, uh, that's, that's painful. Um, if you've ever walked through the woods and you've had to walk through thorns, you know it's not fun. You know it's, uh, it can get really frustrating. Um, you know, they dig in. If you don't have on the right kind of clothing to do that, you know, I know you find this hard to believe, but I grew up in the middle of the country. I know the way I speak doesn't give that away at all. But, um, you know, we, we actually had specific kind of pants that you would wear if you were going to go out hunting in the woods and you knew they were thorns, like, like they're, they're briar pants is what, what we call them. So you had to, you know, so you actually put those on, and they were thicker, so you could actually walk through, walk through that. Um, so the first thorn that he talks about, though, is the worries of this world. Um, and these are, these are things that, that are like your cares. Ultimately, the worries of this world, these are things that want to pull your attention elsewhere. They want to draw your focus elsewhere. Okay. The second one that he begins to talk about are the deceitfulness of riches. Um, now, when, when you look up this particular word, deceitful, it translates to delusions, okay? So when we're talking about, you know, the, the original context of Scripture, that's the original Greek. So it's, a, it's, it's this delusion. It's, it's this idea that's created in my mind, okay? So he, and he calls it deceitfulness of riches. So it's this delusion that we're going to put our effort toward trying to obtain either wealth, possessions, okay, things of that nature, material things, um, or just simply wanting, And then the third one that he identifies are the desire for other things. Now, when we talk about desire, that word, again, translates to a lusting after, okay? So it's it's literally lusting after something. It's a longing that is forbidden, which is what lust translates into. Now, this I found interesting, though. The other things, the desire for other things, literally, that's what's left over after the best has been taken, Okay? So I'm going to let you kind of chew on that because we're going to come back to each of these in just a moment. But I find that, that interesting that we can have a, a desire for these other things of life and not even realize that they're not the best. They're, they're the remnant and they're the leftovers, okay? That's what Jesus is trying to explain. So let's go into each one of these. So we're talking about the worries of this world first. So worry. Defined, it really just simply means to torment oneself with or suffer from disturbing thoughts, okay? Now, I'm pretty sure you guys are way more spiritual than I am, but I'm just going to be honest, I worry sometimes, you know? And when you look at that definition, to torment yourself, I mean, that's really what it is. When, you, when you're allowing worry to enter into your mind, um, I mean, it, it can be just debilitating at times, you know, you can put yourself into this place to where you just don't feel like you can overcome, to where you can move forward or you can see the end result on, on the back side of it. What, you know, what are the daily stresses of our life? I mean, we could probably name a laundry list of them. A few of them would be like our bills. You know, how are we, how are we bringing in money? What's my family going through right now? How are my relationships, you know, with those outside my family? Um, what's work like? You know, there's all these different types of worries and stresses that we can carry in a day-to-day way and in a day-to-day basis and just be completely unaware that we're carrying that. It can just become such a normal part of our life. But let me just reassure you today, friend, that's not what God has for us, all right? He, he defines this as one of the thorns that we need to be aware of, 
Okay? So what does Jesus say about worry? We're going to go to Matthew 6, and this is verses 25 through 34. Matthew 6, starting in verse 25. For this reason, I say to you, do not be worried about your life. As to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body, as to what you will put on, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, that they do not sow, nor reap, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them, and you, are you not worth much more than they? And who of you, being worried, can add a single hour to his life? And why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Do not worry then, saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So the point of that whole passage And he says it a couple of times, do not worry, okay? Jesus is trying to say to you in today's terms, I've got this, okay? That's what he's trying to do. Uh, The the main thing I want to pull out of this to start with is is that when when we choose, and, and make no mistake, it's a choice. It is a choice to take on worry. It is a choice. But when we choose to take on worry, we are not exercising faith. And we're also making a choice to not trust the Lord. Now, that's kind of the tough pill to swallow. You know, it's like, well, well Kyle, I mean, you know, I've got bills to pay. I need, to, I, I need a job. You know, I need to make sure I get this promotion or I need to make sure that, you know, I'm providing for my family. Yes. And the Lord knows that. And, and it's not the point of you need it. Yes, you do. The point is that you need to know he knows you need it. And he knows what's best for you. And he is trying to put you in that position so that you can have what you need. Go back to Matthew 6. He's he's describing things in this world. He's describing, you know, birds. He's describing flowers. And he's saying, "If, if I provide for them, you are my literal creation. You were made in my image. So if you're made in my image, I know exactly what you need. I care. He's he's trying to convey this care of us even above those things in his life. So so Jesus cares for us in a much deeper way. If I provide for that, well, of course I'll absolutely provide for you is the point. And he wants us to trust him in exercising faith because if we worry, we're choosing to not do those two things. Worry is meant to pull our focus away from God and will inevitably cause us to try and make things happen in our lives. That's, that's another realization, is worry will motivate you to act rashly if you allow it to. If you choose not to exercise faith, if you choose not to trust in the Lord, inevitably, you will put yourself in a position to make things happen. I'm going to just go ahead and say, I don't know about you, but I have done that before, and it hurts. You know, it truly is a thorn. It really does begin to choke life out of you, um, and, it, and it's painful, and you have to come back, and you have to go, man, Lord, I'm sorry, man. I didn't mean to 
try to make your plan happen for my life. That, you know, that was worry that was, that was motivating me. So how do we overcome worry? Matthew 6, 33, all right? Matthew 6, 33 says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Um, I want to point out that there's an and in there. It says his kingdom and his righteousness, all right? A lot of times we're like, yeah, I'm going after the kingdom. I'm going after the kingdom. I'm serving. I'm I'm going after the kingdom. But it also is his righteousness, too, that we need to pursue. Because if we try to operate in our righteousness, that's like filthy rags. That's what Scripture teaches us, right? So we also need to make sure we're not only pursuing his kingdom, but we're pursuing his righteousness. And then what's the byproduct of that? It's math, man. You know, you don't have to worry about all these things. Because if you're pursuing the kingdom and you're pursuing his righteousness, the equals is all these things. You don't have to worry about that. I don't know if anybody watches The Chosen up in here. I'm pretty sure there are some people. And whatever your opinion on it, that's really inconsequential in this moment. But the thing I dig about it, though, is there's this one scene. There's this one scene, and, you know, and Jesus is, like, ministering all night. And so he kind of, you know, comes in. And here's, here's this, uh, I believe it was a Pharisee who wanted to come speak to him. And all the disciples, man, they're just like, we got to get this stuff organized. We got to go. We got to make sure all this is happening. Jesus, what are we doing today? Here's the agenda. You know, and Jesus is just looking at him like, the day will take care of itself. Um, this is where my attention needs to be. And so he kind of says it in, in, a, in a way like that, and it kind of puts them off because, like, but you just don't even understand, Jesus. There's all these people who need you. But this person was his focus. And so the point is that he's staying kingdom-minded. He's staying focused on what the Father was telling him first in that moment. And I think the point that's really cool about that visual is that that needs to be our posture, is what is the Father saying to me right now? Because that's where my, my focus needs to be. That's what I need to pursue. Yes, there is an agenda of things that has to be taken care of. You know, um, I'm, I'll, I'll even say it this way. If you have children, my goodness, you know, there is an agenda of things that need to be taken care of. All right? And how people do it without the Lord, I don't even want to know. I don't even want to know. Because I need Jesus to help me in my life, and that's why I'm trying to pursue his kingdom and his righteousness. So even on the small term, all the things that my kids need are, are there for them, right? So that's the point. The point is this. Seek first his kingdom. How do you deal with worry? You seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. So the deceitfulness of riches is, is this. We're going to go ahead and jump into this second thorn. It's turning our focus so intently towards obtaining wealth and or possessions, material things, things of nature, that we are no longer able to put God as our priority. We, we literally put ourselves, when we begin to be choked by this, this thorn of the deceitfulness of riches, we literally put ourselves in this mindset where we, we are in a delusion to where we're pursuing material objects, promotions, you know, new jobs, new, new money, income, things of that nature, to where we're no kingdom good anymore. And we can, we can deceive ourselves. We can deceive our hearts in that way um, if, if we do that. What does Jesus say about this? Here again in Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 21, it says this. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in or steal. For where your treasure is, 
there your heart will be also. Have what I'm not saying that God doesn't want you to have what you need financially. I'm not even saying that God doesn't want you to have nice things. That's not what I'm saying at all. What I'm saying is that we can put ourselves into, into this pursuit mode of where we have to have that car or we have to have that house or we have to have that promotion or we have to have this amount of salary or we have to have this and we have to have that, that we put God aside and lose, again, our trust and our faith in him to provide for those things. That's what I'm talking about. It's not, it's not money. It's not material things. It's not, you know, all of these things that I just named. It's that delusion of trying to pursue those things and putting God on the back burner. And again, here we are in that position of trying to make things happen ourselves, rather than exercising faith and trusting God and pursuing the kingdom and his righteousness, all right? So he says this, build up treasure in heaven. Build up treasure in heaven. If you don't know what treasure in heaven is, ask. Ask the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, what's the treasure I'm supposed to be building up in heaven? What is it that you need me to do on this earth so that I am investing in the kingdom? All right? So how do we do that? It's Matthew 6, again. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Are you picking up on a theme yet? Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So the desires for other things, this is our third thorn that Jesus says can create unfruitfulness in our life. It says that the desire for other things is literally lusting after something. Okay, so in other words, it's putting anything other than Jesus as a more important priority in our life. And I kind of like the blanket statement with this thing, like this whole like desire for other things, because other things can look very different for, for different people. Right? We can put different things on a pedestal. We can, we can uh, you know, raise them above the Lord in our life very easily if, if we don't continue to keep ourselves in this mindset of being kingdom-minded and pursuing his kingdom and his righteousness. All right? um, like I said earlier, the interesting thing about that word safe with other things is it shows us that we begin to desire uh, what is defined as the leftovers rather than the best. Now, that blew my mind. So... Pursuing anything in a way that makes Jesus less than number one in our lives will result in us never receiving the fullness of who he created us to be. We'll always have, and get this, not only will you have, but you'll also be satisfied with what's left rather than what's rightfully yours. When you get into this mindset and this thorn right here begins to, to choke the word of God out of your life, you just begin to get satisfied with, well, this is just how it is. You know, this is just what's mine, I guess. You know, but let me reassure you today, believer, you are a son and daughter of a king. Okay? You have a spiritual inheritance that he sent his son to die for so you could receive that eternal salvation and all these things. As long as you are pursuing his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. That's the point, is don't, don't succumb to this thorn that wants to choke the life out of you. And, you know, it's just been like this for years, so it's just never going to change. It's never going to improve, so this is just my inheritance. This is just my lot in life. Oh, woe is me. I'm pitiful. Let me go find someone to go tell that to so they can be pitiful with me. 
and I can share that with them, and then we can just complain together, and we'll just thrive in our woefulness. No, that's not your life. You know, the last time I checked my Bible, my Bible says that I am not just a conqueror. It says I am more than a conqueror. That means I don't just win when I'm pursuing him and I'm in his kingdom and I'm operating. And it means I win big. And that's your inheritance. You know, does God want to make us all millionaires? I don't know. I would love to try it one time. I don't know. I would love to just humble myself low enough to where I could try that at least one time. But the point, though, is that beyond all of those things, I am pursuing him. I am working diligently to let obedience be produced in my life whenever he tells me something. I don't always obey, and I have to repent, but I work real hard to make sure that I'm I'm trying to do exactly what I hear him telling me to do and pursuing that because I don't want to settle for leftovers, and I don't think you want to either, and you shouldn't have to settle for leftovers. And Jesus says that this is one thing that can just absolutely choke the word of God and fruitfulness out of your life, is settling and into this mindset of, well, that's just how it is. That's not how it's supposed to be. That's not how it's supposed to be. Believe for the greater things. Exercise faith. Exercise faith. Exercise faith. And that is hard because it says exercise. And that's not always a a positive word when we look at it, you know. It's like, exercise. Oh, man. It just means like something's got to like hurt and I've got to sacrifice something. mm. But that's the word he chose to use is exercise faith. Put it into practice, you know. You may not have it yet. You know, there's this whole like thing about the power of yet, you know, and that's, that's, a, that's like a, a leadership thing. But, but the idea, though, even more so than that, is the power of the kingdom and exercising faith in your life. You know, the Lord has great things for you. He has great things for you. It might look different than what you see in your, in your mind, but make no mistake, he didn't create you to be in this place of accepting the leftovers. He prepares a table for you in the presence of your enemies. Now, that's a whole different message right there. But did you get that? When Jesus sets a table, bro, let me just reassure you. I mean, we ain't, we ain't having like five grains of rice at Jesus' table, okay? He's a king, and it's going to look like a royal table. But you need to realize, too, that it's prepared in the presence of your enemies. And I get a big attitude with that one, too, in a good way. Because I'm like, oh, I'm going to sit right here at this table with the Lord. Devil, you like that steak I'm eating right here? It's so good to be in the kingdom. And they're just watching you. And it's when we move away from the table that these, these things begin to wrap us up. It's when we take our focus off of him. And that's the point. So don't settle for other things. Matthew 22, verses 36 through 38. And here's what it says. This is, this is what Jesus says about desiring other things. 22 and then 36. It says, teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. Love God above all else. So, how do we overcome the the desire for other things? What does Jesus say? 
Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. That's how you overcome that, all right? So my point with all of this, you know, just kind of setting all of this stuff up, is that even as a believer, and here's a realization. This is the tough pill to swallow. Even as a believer who hears the word of God regularly, I can still be unfruitful if God is not first in my life. I can go to church. I can be in a connect group. I can serve. I can go out and share the gospel. I can go do all these things and make it look like I'm an awesome believer. But if he's not first in my life, it really doesn't matter about all those things because I'm not being fruitful in the way he created me to be fruitful. Now, should we do those things? Absolutely we should. Okay? We absolutely should do those things because he's called us to that. But even as a believer who hears it regularly, I can be unfruitful. That's what Jesus is trying to say about this soil. He said the soil or the seed was sown into this soil. So that means that, that the soil got the word of God. We got the word of God. But these things can choke it out of us to where we are just not producing fruit, that we are not achieving what he called us to do. And it's, and it's my interpretation on that that I feel like he's speaking to the church in that passage as kind of a, hey, just be aware. You can hear the word of God regularly, but it can still be unfruitful in your life. So how do we position ourselves to be fruitful and keep him first in our lives? Mark 4, verse 20. And here's what it says. And those are the ones on whom seed was sown on the good soil, and they hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30, 60, and 100-fold. To produce fruit, well, so first thing we have to do is we have to check our soil. All right, according to this passage, this was the example of seed that was sown, and it was in good soil, and it produced fruit. So we got to check out our soil. Good soil produces good fruit and even a lot of fruit. Okay? You don't have to do a lot of works. You don't, have to, you, know, you don't have to do a lot of things in the kingdom. You just have to do the thing that he told you to do. That, when we're talking about producing fruit, that's Christianese for just go do what God told you to do. And then the result of that is the fruit. And it looks different in the kingdom than it does for us. You know, we can measure success. We can get our little checklist of, you know, this is what it should look like for growth and for this thing to happen, and this is the result and all that kind of stuff. We can do that, but in the kingdom, it looks different. You know, sometimes Jesus says, hey, you see that person on aisle 16 at the, you know, next to the meat department that's trying to get a can of green beans? Can you go minister this passage of Scripture to them? And you go minister to it, and you don't feel any different, and they just kind of look at you funny, but the next thing you know, you've obeyed God. That's what we call fruit. Get it? It doesn't have to be, go and preach to 10 million people and pray that God would save, you know, 5 million. No, just obey him. Whatever the fruit looks like on the backside, that's up to him. But the exercising of faith and the trusting of God is me simply obeying what he asked me to do. Okay? So to produce fruit according to the passage, we've got to do two things. You've got to hear the word, which is pretty simple. Everybody in the soil passage, they heard the word. In some way, all right? But we also have to accept it. That's the, that's the hard part. Here means to give audience to in order to understand. We can walk around with a lot of knowledge. I know a lot of people 
who have incredible knowledge about this. I also know a lot of people who have incredible knowledge about this but have no fruit. Do you get it? It's possible to hear this, to know a lot about it, to even prove people wrong and argue your point right and not produce fruit for the kingdom. You have to accept the word. Accept means to receive with joy. It also means to agree or consent to. It means I'll just simply do what you ask me to do, Lord. We have to be able to apply what has been heard with action. That's the point. We have to be able to apply what's been heard with action. In John 14, 21, Jesus says this, He who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and will disclose myself to him. So what does it mean to hear and accept the word? Well, first off, it means that you keep his commandments. It says, He who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. Obedience. That's really what it boils down to. It's such a simple word and such a hard word all in one. All right? Those who obey. That's what it means to accept it. So how can I know if I'm accepting the word of God and allowing it to produce fruit in my life? Good soil has specific qualities and characteristics that allow seeds to grow into fruit-bearing plants. For the life of the believer, for the life of the believer, these are found in Galatians chapter 5. And here's what it says. And this is Galatians 5, 22, and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. If you ever need to know what your soil looks like, if you want to know if you're good soil, that's your checklist right there. We need to allow the Holy Spirit to show us how to exhibit these qualities first. And here's what's really interesting about these qualities right here. You know, I know, I know we're kind of framing, I framed it as like a checklist. More so than that, and more importantly than a checklist or a thermometer, if you will, of what your Christian life should look like. Do you know that that's the very quality and characteristics of who Jesus is? That's his very personality right there. Those are the very characteristics of Jesus himself. If we're ever wanting to know what our soil looks like, all we have to do is read those two verses. Do I love people? Oh, did you hear people? Do I have joy in my life? Am I at peace? Do I have self-control? You know, you can just kind of go through that. And as the Holy Spirit speaks to you, pray into that ever how he would lead. Sometimes it's, oh, forgive me, Jesus. And then sometimes, thank you, Lord. Thank you for your peace. Sometimes it's just worship because, man, I do feel your joy. I do feel your peace, you know. It's not this Holy Spirit get you moment all the time. He's not trying to get you, all right. He's trying to walk with you. And sometimes that's worshipful where we get to honor God because we feel those things in our life. Sometimes, yes, it is, you know, a solemn moment where we have to make that realization of I'm not exhibiting that. Forgive me and help me, Lord. It can be challenging to ensure we're living the way, uh, living this way, because Jeremiah 17, 9 says that our heart can deceive us. So what safeguards are there for the life of the believer to ensure we're demonstrating the qualities of Jesus? First one is the leading and direction of the Holy Spirit through prayer, worship, and submission to authority. I would also include your, your Bible reading there too, okay? And then the second one is accountability to others to speak into our lives. 
Those are your safeguards. Want to ensure that you're, you're maintaining your soil in a good way? Put some safeguards around you. That requires humility and it hurts. Oh, oh. You mean I have to humble myself before my brother? Yeah, you do. Galatians 6.2 says this. It says, bear one another's burdens and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. So when it comes to burdens that are meant to pull our focus from the Lord, we are designed to carry these with others in the body of Christ. You were not designed to carry that by yourself. You're not designed that way. You are designed to operate in relationship and in community. You are designed to allow other people to speak into your life, okay? You were not designed to tell everybody what to do. Let me just say that as far as accountability goes, okay? All right? You better have the Holy Spirit because if you don't have the Holy Spirit and you come speak in my life, you know, or speak into somebody else's life and you don't have the Holy Spirit, now you're just a busybody and there is a passage of Scripture for what that looks like too, okay? So let me just say that. You know, it's a very, it is a very solemn thing when you are trying to operate in accountability with someone, okay? So just be aware of that. 1 Thessalonians 5.14 says this, We urge you, brethren, admonish the unruly, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with everyone. For believers, Paul outlines some very basic ways we work with each other to stay accountable. Admonish the unruly. That means give cautionary advice to those who are not submissive. Be careful. When you're not operating under authority, Paul says we're encouraged to say, hey, brother, that's your boss. Where's your heart at with that? We need to check our hearts on how we view authority in our lives, good or bad, okay? Encourage the faint-hearted. Help those who are newer or struggling in their faith. Help the weak. That is straightforward. Help anybody who's struggling or lacking in strength in some way. Help them. And be patient with everyone. Not just be patient with that super awesome guy at church or that super awesome gal at church. Be patient with everyone. And in case you were wondering, in the original Greek, everyone means everyone. Okay? All right? It does, I looked it up. It does mean that. Okay? Have patience with all people. So producing fruit for the kingdom of God begins with ensuring that I'm good soil for his word to grow in. Giving the Holy Spirit access to my life. And having godly relationship with other believers keeps my heart from deceiving me and allows me to produce fruit. So I'm going to kind of wrap this up here. Um, thorns, right? So, man, I'm worried, Jesus. Good gracious. I'm just so worried about my job. I'm so worried about that promotion. I'm so worried about my bills. How in the world am I going to do this? Oh, I just got to go do something. You see what it does? Now I'm just all tied up and knotted up. I'm just all, like, I can't do anything. I, this is it. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Forgive me of where I've not sought your kingdom and your righteousness, Lord. Jesus, I just, I, I just got to be wealthy. I just got to have all these things. Forgive, Lord, I've got to just have, like, I need more money. I need more of this. I want that house. I want that car. And now I'm no good. Thorns have just choked it out. Jesus, forgive me of where I've not operated in peace about that. Forgive me. Forgive me. Lord, I've just got to have all these other things, man. I just, I just want all this other stuff, and I'm knotted up. You know, I've got this thing that's this, this happening in my life that I'm covering up. I don't want anybody to know about it. I've got a secret sin. Ron, would you come help me for a second? I've got this secret sin. I don't want anybody to know about it. I'm ashamed of it. 
Ron, I just need to be accountable, man. I'm sinning in this way. I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm doing this. I need God to forgive me. And now my brother's walking with me to help me get free. Thanks, Ron. Do you get the point with it? We got to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. We need to submit to the Holy Spirit. We need to submit to accountability in our lives. Mentors ha- mentorship's happening. Jump in it. Connect groups are happening. Jump in it. Rich and Deb, would you come? <clears throat> our prayer team, you guys can come on up. So as we, as we wrap this up, I just want to encourage you, if you are dealing with any of these things, we have people who will pray with you. We have people here to pray with you today. One thing that was interesting to me as I was preparing for this altar call is that we're talking about thorns. And I think we all know what went on Jesus' head whenever he went on the cross. It was a crown of thorns. And while that was a mockery of his lordship, what I find interesting is the connection to this passage, that he took those thorns, he took your worry, he took the delusions that the enemy would try to create in our mind, he took those desires for other things, he took them on himself, so we don't have to. So if you need prayer this morning, I'm just going to pray, and you can come on up and receive prayer for anything that you need prayer for. So, Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you that this is a church that produces fruit for your kingdom. I thank you that these are people that are kingdom-minded. Lord, I just ask you right now, Lord, anything, anything, Holy Spirit, that we need to be free of, Lord, that you would just bring it to our hearts right now. Help us to confess it and repent of it and move forward in your kingdom, Lord. I bless this body. I thank you for it, Lord. You are worthy of our praise. I thank you that the word will take root. I thank you that the word will take root, Lord. And if you don't know Jesus, with every head bowed, every eye closed today, if you've you've never heard of this man, Jesus, or maybe you've known him and you just need to come back to him today, I want to give you that opportunity today. If you'd like to receive the Lord into your heart today, maybe for the first time or maybe just to come back to him, you can just lift your hand right now and we'll pray for you. Thank you, Jesus. If you need prayer, we have people up here to pray with you. Get free today. Begin to produce fruit in his kingdom. He loves you. Bless you guys. Thank you for joining us at The Way today. Our prayer is that through a relationship with Jesus, you would know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you'd like to find out more about our church, please visit us online at thewaylakeland.com or by visiting our Facebook page at The Way Lakeland or Instagram page at The Way Church Lakeland.